Daniel, are you familiar with the website Artings? I am is, familiar with it. Which is R and then T-I-N-G-S, Artings. Yeah, that, that's the only way to buy TVs. True. Did you know they review other things besides TVs? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. There's all, all kinds of cool stuff they look at. Now, before I jump into this, I just want to say that, you know, Artings is out there doing the Lord's work. Yeah, they are. I mean, the the very, very repeatable and accurate testing that they do on TVs, I don't know where we'd be without it. It's fantastic. If you don't know how to calibrate your TV, they probably have calibration settings for you. You could just use them as a starting point. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a great website. I'm looking at this article. The five best cameras for filmmaking, winter 2023. Ooh, we need to go through this for sure. But before we go through this, you need to use a coaster with that mug. Dang it. Where'd it go? <laughs> okay. Both for sound and my table. Review. All right. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so they preface this by saying that they don't review cameras and that these are more geared towards hybrid DSLRs, not actual film cameras because if they review cameras, they don't review cameras because you can spend $500 or $10,000. Sorry, $100,000. And they're like, wait, there's just no way. But, you know, for someone who's getting into trying to make their own movies or whatever, these are the best hybrid movie video shooting cameras. I can't wait to hear what's coming next. Okay. I'm going to re- refrain from expressing my opinions until the end. Best camera for filmmaking. A7 IV. What do you think? I mean, I don't agree. Like, that's that's such a broad statement. How could, how could you say that? Like, what does that mean? What is best for filmmaking? What is filmmaking? Hard disagree. I mean, not, not like not even the, the S5 Mark II. This yeah. was published February 8th. Let me I, just double check that. Yeah. So the, the S5 is already out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it could be anything, right? Like, what about the S1H? Like, there's no price range. There's no price associated range. Associated with it. Yeah. It's could ridiculous. be could be an R6 Mark II. Could be an XH2S. Yeah. Could be a C70. Could be a Black Magic 6K. Yeah. There's just no telling. It's ridiculous. Whew. Okay. You ready for the well, second one? What, what else we have? Best upper mid-range camera for filmmaking. Upper mid-range. Which means the A7 IV was top of the line. Best Ooh, top of the line. Okay. So, so it, we're going lower than that. Yeah. So like, you know, it's not a C200. Uh-huh. It's not a Red Komodo. Uh-huh. It's not a, a Canon R5. It's not an S18. It is an A7 IV. Came out two years ago. Yep. All right. What's upper mid range? Panasonic Lumix GH5 II. <laughs> really? <laughs> they couldn't even go with the FX30. I was thinking they were just like straight up Sony Bros, and they're just gonna you know Sony it all, and FX30 would be the next choice. Totally skipped the GH6. Yeah. No kidding. Went, went a generation back. Yeah. Well, I mean, they had to cut some price, right? Well, upper sure. mid range. Yeah. Exactly. Did they go lower? Uh, best mid range camera for filmmaking. Sony A6600. <laughs> what is this range? I know. <laughs> when they say filmmaking, it, it sounds like what they mean is like vlogging or or something like that. It does feel like that. I just, I would, none of these cameras would be on yeah. my list. It's kind of disappointing. I mean, it feels like a like an SEO magnet or, you know, they're just trying to do like a best of list to get more people on their site. But I mean, come on, that's that's goofy. One more. Best budget camera for filmmaking. Ooh, but now there's a budget level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we go even lower. Sony ZV-E10. Now, I, I kind of agree with that. I think that I think that filmmaking is a, a silly phrase to use there. But if you're talking about a budget camera to shoot video on, I mean, that seems fine. Like if you're doing, if you're getting into vlogging, I, I think that would be fine. Sure. But that's not a filmmaking Last camera. one. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> Best camera for filmmaking in low light. 
Panasonic Lumix GH5S. <laughs> like, I feel like no. the A7S 3 is like the see-in-the-dark camera. Where, yeah. What are we doing? <laughs> the GH5S was legitimately better in low light than the GH5. Sure. But if your other camera in the list is an A7 IV, the A7 IV is going to be better. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It <laughs> definitely is. I mean, like, I think I'm, I think, like, at the bottom here, they have the list of things they've actually reviewed, which are essentially just Sony cameras, except for, like, uh, Lume, uh, oh, sorry, a Fujifilm X Pro 3. And then, which, is like, a, which is a weird addition to that which, list. <laughs> and then they, like, they, like, rank them based upon certain categories, and then, like, whichever one was the highest point value, I guess. So non conclusive. Uh huh. But still. Yeah. That's. Oh boy! I I really I do trust them for TVs. I think they do very thorough work on TVs, but I sure wouldn't trust them on cameras after hearing that yeah, list. Geez, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to do a slam session on Artings because, yeah. like I said, I love their website. Yeah, a lot of great testing stuff. But oh my gosh, if I was making this list, it'd be totally different. <laughs> maybe maybe at some point we should make this list. <laughs> I mean, it's not. It's not a bad idea. We got a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. So I, maybe in a few weeks. Yeah, maybe we not can today. Do, uh, we can do. Yeah. What was that? Best best uh, filmmaking camera is winter 2023. Yeah, definitely add that to the list. Best we'll do spring. We'll do the spring 2023 version. 2023. Yeah. I mean, with all these these cool cameras coming out. Yeah. That's gonna be pretty a good. Of, a lot of options. Yeah. Uh, I, that, that also feels like a little bit of a uh, teaser for sure. later in the episode. Yeah. No, that's, that's we'll do it. We're gonna do it. Spring 2023 best cameras for filmmaking. By, by with with the filmmaking being defined as Artings defines it, yes. Which and and their price ranges being defined as they define it exactly. Yes, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> oh man, looking forward to that. Anyway, what are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> Best filmmaking cameras twenty twenty three. Welcome back to the Camera Gear Podcast. I'm Daniel and I'm Lucas, and we're back today to talk more about the gear we use for photo and video. <laughs> well, not that. Because this is a camera gear podcast and we like to cover the things people are most interested in, I think we should start by talking about mechanical shutters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I put this one on the list. Obviously, you know what a mechanical shutter is. Yes. You know what an electronic shutter is? Sort of. I mean, I think it's basically just reading out the sensor, right? Like Right. Do you know what an electronic front curtain is? Now we're getting a little bit past past my knowledge. So mm-hmm. what what is that? All right. This is worth explaining because like all the coverage on these really sweet new cameras that just came out from Canon has a lot of talk about the electronic first curtain shutter. Yeah, I and, did, did see something about that. And I was like, I don't understand. Your camera, the Fujifilm X H2S, 2022 camera of the year as declared by many publications, probably yes. not, not our dings, yeah. but other publications, has the option for a electronic front curtain shutter. Okay, so whenever you actuate a mechanical shutter, there are two components. There's the front and the rear shutter. On, on some Canon cameras, whenever you take off the lens, they'll close the front curtain. Yeah, shutter. yeah, I love that feature. I wish yeah. every camera had it. Be fantastic. Anyways, so what happens is it will close the front shutter, and then it will open the front shutter, close the back shutter to expose the sensor so like you close the front shutter you engage your sensor so that it starts reading data okay and then you it's open shutter close shutter and so they act happen next to each other okay and that way you can get your exact 
you know, shutter speed. Yeah, and it's fast too, right? Exactly. And the reason you do this mechanically is you want all of those, you want all of your sensor component pieces reading continuously, but if you turn them on and turn them off, like it happens in rows. And so you do it mechanically so that you don't get any um, like weird, like rolling shutter warping. You don't get any, um, golly, what's it called? It's like spatial deformation of your bokeh and this sort mm-hmm. of thing. Well, I mean, you want you want the light to be continuous across the frame too, right? Because like one right. of the problems with an electronic shutter is that if you have lights that are flickering, that's generally worse, you know, if you're shooting with electronic shutter because because you can get weird banding from like it reading out the sensor yeah. and the light changing while it's reading out. Exactly, like this strobing across mm-hmm. the across the picture. So that's why you shoot in mechanical shutter. It's there's still an advantage to doing it. Electronic shutters are not perfect. Like an electronic shutter, you would just simply row by row read out the sensor. Yeah, like, and it's just always exposing. Mm-hmm. Whenever you're looking through a mirrorless camera. The sensor is reading data. It's exposed to the light. Right. So to engage the the shutter on a mirrorless camera, you stop reading data, close the shutter, start reading data, and then open the shutter, then close the shutter, mm-hmm. and then open the shutter again, then start reading data again. Right. So that you can see your pre, your uh, your live shot again. After. Right. So kind of complicated. Yeah. More more than you would think. Right. So there's the option of what if you just didn't have the front shutter or you didn't use the front shutter. And that would be what is called an electronic front curtain. So instead of closing that front curtain, you just start reading the pixels. Mm -hmm. And then whenever you take the picture, it will close the back shutter to stop the image. Okay, that makes sense. So it's like electronic start, mechanical stop. Mm -hmm. And if you use this, you don't get the same banding like you would from strobing lights. Okay. You're exercising the, the front less. And so uh, like whenever you get camera shake from your shutter engaging, most of that is from the front shutter hitting because when the back mm. shutter hits, the image is already done. Oh, uh, good point. And so point. by shooting electronic, like doing the electronic first and not engaging a shutter initially, it basically removes all sensor shake from the shutter actuating. I see. So there cool. are some advantages to doing that. But like the disadvantage of using electronic front curtain shutter is that it can, for certain like highlights and bokeh, it can impact your the way your bokeh looks. It'll like cut off parts of the parts of the image, just because of like like the way that the wavelengths of the lights work and like how it's reading line by line to like get everything engaged before you drop the back shutter. It can. It's not going to do the strobing, but you could have issues with the way that like your bokeh and your highlights look and your specular highlights and that sort of thing. So those things can be worse or break with an electronic first shutter. I see. Okay. So it's not a perfect replacement for having an actual full real deal mechanical shutter. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Otherwise I imagine people would have been doing this you know, for a long time. Or yeah. From the beginning. Right. So yeah. makes now sense. you know. Yeah. And, and I assume another reason to do that is like, I mean, do you even need the front shutter at that point? Like you just make a camera that doesn't even have that. Well, Daniel, that's a great question. I mean, the, the Z nine from Nikon, both your and I's favorite camera Indeed. brand. Yes. Uh, it doesn't even it doesn't even have a shutter. That's true, as far as I understand it. Yeah, but Canon released new cameras. They did. What a segue! Brand spanking new. Yep. And interestingly, we talked about some of these not that long ago. Yes, in, we did. In terms of like maybe they'll come out with this. We we rounded up the rumors. I mean, whenever we were talking about it, to me, it felt like there was this huge gap in their lineup. They mm-hmm. needed their one thousand to two thousand dollar full frame camera to replace either the RP or the R, mm-hmm. and then they needed. 
the replacement for the M50. Yep. The M50 is a camera that they sell, you know, trying to get people to upgrade from their phones and, you know, your budget's less than $1,000. What do you buy? Yep. There wasn't anything. Well, and we talked about that in our last episode, too, because we, ta- mm-hmm. we were talking about the camera for your mom thing and kind of mentioned, you know, maybe you want something that's entry level and M50 seems like a good choice, but it's so old. And, you know, why is there not an R50? And Canon must have thought so, too. I mean, it's it felt like with one one final swoop. They have completed the R line. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're like, maybe they'll still come out with something else. Like they have a, the R, because they, they still have to come out with the R1. So the R1's missing, but then they have the R3, the R5, R3, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10. Yep. That's a lot and, of R's. And 50. A lot of R's. So uh, I think next we're looking for the 11 through 49. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But. Um, can't, can't wait to talk about the R49. <laughs> just slightly better than this one. Yep. Just a little bit. Yep. has one more jog wheel on it. <laughs> Anyway, so, I mean, to me, these are the most important cameras for Canon right now. Yeah. And so this is, I mean, this, to me, this is a pretty huge release. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is. You want to start with the R50 and then we can talk about the R8 after that? Yeah, we might as well. I think the R8 is maybe the more interesting camera to me, but I also think the R50 is the more interesting camera to most normal people. Yeah. Yeah. Because you are definitely not a, nor- a normal person. Well, that's, that's a little offensive. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not disagreeing. <laughs> All right, so Canon R50, uh, 24 megapixel APS-C sensor, and that's Canon APS-C, so it's a 1.6 crop. Right. Um, pricing, $680 without a lens or $800 with the 18 to 45 lens. And that is 4.5 to 6.3. Just pretty painful. Oof. I think that lens is one of those collapsible lenses. Yeah, Just kind of cool. That's, yeah. a, that's a useful feature for people that travel and people that are casual with their photography. Nice and compact and that sort of thing, but I mean, you, you see this very common with mo- with like your your kit lenses for APS-C cameras. It's going to be your roughly a twenty four to seventy equivalent, which is sixteen to fifty, eighteen to fifty five, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. Yep. This is on the short end of both of them. It's eighteen to forty five, so mm-hmm. like not a great range. And then on top of that, f four point five to six point three. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that hurts. And then when you see that. I think that that kind of immediately brings up the biggest problem this camera has, which is that there just aren't that many low-end RF lenses. Right. I mean, there's not. You think about it, you're like, what else else do you put on it? Well, fortunately, I looked into this. (laughs) And... Like so, you're you're in this range. You're in the I've spent somewhere between six hundred, seven hundred, and a thousand dollars on, or fifteen hundred dollars on RF mount camera, Mm -hmm. whether that be an R10, M50, R7, R8. Sure. Are you then going to go out and buy a two thousand dollar lens, a fifteen hundred dollar lens? It's hard to imagine a thirty nine hundred dollar (laughs) lens. So the lenses that Canon has for you are the twenty four to fifty four point or twenty four to forty five, which is this one costs three hundred dollars out the door. Not bad. They have the 55 to 210, which is F5 to F7.1. Oh, ooh. $350. They have the 24 to 105, F4 to F7.1 for 400 And then they also have their fast primes. They have like a 518 yeah. and a 8520, and those are both less than 500 bucks or right around 500 bucks. Yeah, yeah, somewhere in that range. So, I think the 85 might be $600. Yeah, and yeah, I think that there's a 35 in there too. So, like, they have, you know, your general primes, which are decent, a decent range. The 85 is a macro. So, like, I think they have lenses for people who want the cheap lenses, but they are really pushing you to upgrade to the more expensive lenses yeah. because, I mean, I shoot APS-C and 
any lens that's sub that doesn't go to like the minimum aperture on a lens being higher than f4 for me is a problem mm-hmm. because that's that's i mean you, f4 to f5.6 it's a whole stop that's yeah. another that's that's 1600 to 3200 iso i agree yeah, it seems like a problem to me. I mean, that's it, it feels like you buy this camera and you, you know, you get it with the kit lens and then yeah, I mean, if you if you want to upgrade and if you want another zoom, you're spending $1000 to get a good zoom. And yeah, I mean, I you know, I also shoot APS-C and I immediately picked up on that f-stop range and it's just that's not good. <laughs> you're yeah. going to be shooting some noisy pictures. Yeah, and like this is kind of a conversation for whenever we get into the sorry, I'm scrolling back to a thousand years ago whenever I listed in our show notes all of the RF lenses with their prices and I just found it. <laughs> yes, nice. Anyway, uh when we're like this is what we we'll, we'll talk about when we talk about the the R8, which I haven't even gotten to yet, which is like the whole price deal and it's it's $1500. Wow, like what a camera for that amount of money. Save it for later. But <laughs> Like it, when you can think about the lenses, if you buy an f4 to f7.1, 24 to 105, if you cross shop that with an APS-C camera, uh, like a, a pull camera out of the air here, I don't even know anything about this camera, X-H2, say, for instance, 40 megapixels, but you could buy for the same price an f4 lens or an yeah. f2.8 to f4, mm-hmm. like that 18 to 55, 2.8 to f4. And then all of a sudden you have the same the same amount of light gather capability even though you have a smaller sensor. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, they're, they're like chopping their legs out from under them. They have, these these cameras are great. The sensors are good, decent size and all this stuff, but like you're, they're just going to be shooting at, you're going to be shooting at high ISOs unless you yeah. can pay, you know, over $1,300 for a decent lens. Well, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, it feels to me like the problem with the R50 is that you're going to get it. You're going to get this kit lens and you're not going to want to buy any any other lenses for it. And if you're shooting a picture indoors or something, you're going to be shooting at such a high ISO that you're going to end up thinking that the camera doesn't take very good pictures because, exactly. because you get so much noise. Now, I do think that the M50 has a smart HDR function in it where it will do the multiple exposures and stack mm-hmm. them. Yeah, yeah. And you said M50, but I think you meant the R50. The R50, yeah. sorry. Yeah. It, it has some pretty cool smart features, actually. So I know it had the smart HDR thing. It also has something called, I think it was Creative Control. And then there was another, I think the thing you're talking about was the like Advanced Plus or right. Auto Plus. Auto so, Plus something like that. Uh, they also had that Creative Control thing where it seemed like maybe, I, I didn't quite understand this, but I think it would, you tell it, I want this picture to be brighter. Right. And it basically suggests what settings to use. Yeah, so they're re- they're really gearing the R50 towards people who are are upgrading from their phone. Yeah, you know, they want something mm-hmm. that, which is, I mean, that's exactly the conversation we had about cameras for your mom, where it's like, hey, I want a camera. My budget's less than a thousand dollars. I'm just getting into shooting this. I don't know if this hobby's for me. Mm-hmm. And like, they're right here for you. Like, here's the here's the camera. You can buy a 50 millimeter 1.8 lens. For $150. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And like you can get in the door and get that one fast prime and get a really crappy zoom. And then maybe like maybe it works for you and it has all these auto features to like teach you, you know, here's your exposure stuff and this sort of thing. And so like it's it it feels like like all the decisions are built around that entry. The Mm -hmm. lens conversation is just ongoing as far as they just it just feels like. It feels like they don't have that one killer lens for a killer price. Yeah. It's all geared towards like, how can we squeeze the most money out of the mm-hmm. people who are buying these things? Yeah. And that, that's the problem to me is I, 
I really like the direction they're going with the camera. I think that having those helper features is really good. Uh, I mean, people generally like, I read the DP review review of it and it seemed like they liked those features and they felt like it worked well. And their biggest complaint was that you couldn't put uh, those settings on a command dial, which I think is pretty, pretty good praise. You know, it's like, this works well. I just want to be able to access it more easily. Right. So I think that's cool. And, and I definitely, I mean, we were just talking about, you know, what is your step up from a smartphone? And so it seems mm-hmm. like this fits that really well. I mean, to me, the problem is they don't have a good APS-C lens lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the reason all these lenses you're, you listed are so expensive is because they're all full-frame glass. Mm-hmm. And and you and you can't buy any third-party lenses, so they can just control the prices yeah. whatever they want. Mm-hmm. The the 24 to 105 f4 is $1,300. <laughs> It's ridiculous. That, that feels about right, honestly. Like it's expensive. Well, it's expensive. For, it's expensive for this camera. It's fine for a full a sure. full frame. Is it an L L lens? Uh, I think it is. The twenty four to seventy f two point eight is twenty four hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean those are like it's pro level glass, and the problem yeah. is that that's stuff like that is what you're looking at putting on this camera, and this is not a pro level camera. Right. I think those lenses are to entice the R eight buyer who is then eventually going to upgrade to mm-hmm. something like an R6 line. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I think I messed up whenever we jumped into this section. I was going to have you say, Lucas, have you heard about the R50? And then I was going to say, do you mean the Canon printer? Scanner? <laughs> I should have a scanner, not a printer. I messed it up again. Do you mean the Canon scanner? Because they have a scanner called the R50. And and it's... It, it, is it... It's not related in any way. It's no. Just, but it's made by Canon. <laughs> Canon makes everything. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so, you know, just running through the specs real quick. We said 24 megapixels, APS-C. Cool. Makes total sense for this price point. Decent camera for that price point. Good resolution. One hour record limit on the most of the recording modes, which is probably due to battery, probably due to heat because of the small size. Mm-hmm. No joystick. Has one jog wheel on it. Uh, most of these Canon lenses have an aperture ring so that you can, I assume that in them, the R50, you could set it to something. So like you have two ring inputs and then yeah. buttons for your ISO. Okay, not bad. Charter speed. Built-in flash, which is pretty common for this price point. You're going to need that with that F7.1 lens. No, It's so funny that uh, cheaper cameras come with built-in flashes, but like as you graduate to more professional cameras, they just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm complaining. <laughs> yeah. No, I never, I never use an onboard flash. I like you. Anyways, whatever. Uh, it's cool auto modes. Talk about that. Talk about the one wheel. The battery is the same battery as the RP, which is that uh, Canon, was it LEP3 or something? Yeah. LPE17. Yeah, it's a very small battery. Yeah, smaller battery. Mm-hmm. But for something like this, maybe you don't necessarily need it. For video, you're shooting, you can shoot 4K20, sorry, 4K24, 4K30, and then 1080, 120. Yeah, yeah. Not, the video specs, honestly, are not bad. Yep. I was surprised to see that it has a microphone input. Yeah, microphone That's input. That's a nice, I, nice thing. It's got the flippy screen. I mean, honestly, not bad in those yeah. regards. No headphone output, but it does have a micro HDMI output. Yeah. Is that right? I think that's right. Okay. So yeah, and like decent. Seems... I does, it doesn't say whether it's 10-bit or 8-bit. I think that in order to get 10-bit on a Canon, you have to shoot in C-Log. So I'm going to mm-hmm. assume these are 8-bit. 420 codex. I don't know that for sure. Oh, Lucas, it has a vertical movie mode. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Well, so like, what does that mean? It, it will automatically detect that you're shooting in, and then it'll, whenever you output the video, you don't have to rotate it in post. Mm. I was like, I can, you can shoot in, with any camera in vertical, Dan. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I mean, you wouldn't, but you could. <laughs> well, I guess it means like it, it will rotate in post. Yeah. And then, like, just to loop back to our conversation earlier, no front curtain shutter. So it's electronic first front shutter. And then it has a mechanical shutter on the back. Mm-hmm. And I assume they might have done that to save some money. Right. Save some money. And then 
This one will do, I think, 10 frames per second mechanical and then some number electronic for burst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Honestly, not not that bad. Uh, it's a little more expensive than the M50 was. The M50 is. is about six hundred dollars from six eighty, but it, it compares favorably. I mean, I think that DP review felt like the A6100 from Sony was kind of a comparison, but in most ways, this looks better. One thing that we didn't really talk about that they really did do do well on this is the autofocus. Uh, it seems like the autofocus on the R50 is pretty good. And yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a fine camera. I, I, Canon just really needs some APS-C entry-level lenses. That's the, the main thing I see missing here. Yeah, and I think like they released two new lenses with this and those are the uh the 20 the 18 to 45 they already talked about and then the 55 to 210 i believe is the other one that they released and so like they're trying to satisfy that but i'm just i'm shocked at how slow those lenses are like i get that you know with a budget of 350 i mean it's just gonna be slow but i honestly would prefer to see them and then this is just me i would rather see a 800 zoom that's like f4 through the range or f4 to 5.6 5.6 or something rather than these even slower than that lenses mm. that would be nice like it's, it's painful that it's that slow on a 1.6 crop APS-C if if Fuji can make a 2.8 to f4 18 to 55 that costs $600 new that they sell for $300 with the camera I feel like Canon can do it too I mean they own, own that whole stack and that mm-hmm. sort of thing so it's like it's it's not like it's not doable I just think that they they went too far they're like, well, we have to make it a cheap lens. And then when you set the budget at MSRP 350, of course, you're not going to hit, you know, something that's maybe a little more mid-range than beginner kit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just I kind of wish that they had compromised a little less on the price, um, but not so much that it's just like that jump. Right. It's like these are 350. But then if you want something slightly better, you got to go all the way up to 1200 to hit the mid-range. Yeah, I agree. Uh, that's the biggest thing holding it back. And I mean. I haven't looked, but there's probably not a whole lot of used RF glass out there. Yeah, I mean, that's probably going to get more popular. They have a, a pretty complete lens lineup. And, well, you know, there's more people more people that uh, are switching to Sony every day and Panasonic. Yeah, that's true. Maybe they're selling their RF lenses. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Interesting camera. Definitely interesting, but not as interesting as the R8. So what's the deal with the R8? All right. I want to first ask you, I mean, you, you know everything about it probably, but... This is either a replacement for the RP or the EOS R. Yeah, and I, and I can't decide which. After looking at it, I think it does lean a little bit more toward the RP, but not exactly. I think it does a couple of things that the EOS R did. And I mean, we're going to get to it, I guess, but I, I think it strikes a pretty good balance between those two cameras. Yeah, so it's it's right in the middle on price. The RP shipped for what, $1,100, $1,200? Yeah, I think that's right. The R shipped for... 1800 no it was higher than 2200 yeah 2200 but then in later in its life it got down to 17 1800 yeah yeah uh but the r was 31 megapixels 32 megapixels yeah this is 24 Mm -hmm. canon has basically just dropped that resolution out of their lineup except for the aps-c r7 yeah which is 30.3 i believe and what is the what is the rp the rp is 23 okay so the rp is about the same resolution as the new r8 but it's right. not the same sensor. No, this is the exact same sensor as what's in the R6 Mark II. Which is a $2,500 camera. Yeah. So that's that's really cool to see them bring that down to this price mm-hmm. point. It sure is. And as a result, it basically shares all of the same video features as the R6 Mark II. 
but they could have they could have oh we're gonna cut this feature and cut this feature uh, but they they just didn't yeah they, just, they shipped all the features that they could fit that were capable within like the heat envelope and the battery for this it's it's like something Fuji would do yeah honestly it is it is I mean Fuji puts the same cancer on all the cameras and you know they give you what they can and like they just they just didn't hold back with this yeah they, that since the sensor has all these autofocus capabilities. They became, brought the same autofocus system from the R6 Mark mm-hmm. II into this camera. Yeah, same processor, same autofocus. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty impressive. Do you want to quickly run through some of the specs and then we can talk about them? Yeah, sure. So it is the, the 24.3 megapixel sensor. Uh, same sense, same processor as the R6 Mark II. We talked about, you know, same autofocus system. The body is almost exactly the same as the Canon RP. Uh, so it doesn't have a joystick. It does have, the you know, a couple dials to it. And it's still using the same battery as the R- RP. So mm-hmm. that same battery that's coming in the M50, that LPE17. Yeah. Yep. Smaller than yep. the LPE6 that other Canons mm-hmm. use. No in-body stabilization. No front curtain shutter. So it's electric for, for electric front curtain shutter only. Yeah. Because of the smaller body, you can buy it with, you can get it with a, a, a grip extension to make the bottom of the camera longer. So it fits your big hands. Okay. Uh, we're looking at the video specs. It can do... 4K 24, 30, and 60. And those are all oversampled, no crop. Oh, that's good. Wow. Yeah. And, and a $1,500 camera. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm just going to stop here for a second. 4K 60 full frame, uncropped. Yeah. I'm going to list all the cameras that can do that right now. The R6 Mark II and the new Canon R8. Is that right? Yep. No. Yeah, the A7 crops. Come on. The the A1 doesn't? Sorry, the A1 doesn't. The A1 doesn't even crop in 8K. Okay, fine. The A1 and the R3... The Z9. Actually, can the Z9 do six? Okay, I can't actually. But these are all expensive cameras. I can't actually all name them all. But the yeah. point is, like, at $1,500, uncropped 4K60 at full frame from oversampled 6K. Yeah, very good. Wow. Yeah, wow. Very, not, very good. It's not even a stack sensor. That's pretty cool. It is. Uh, 10E will go up to 120 frames per second. Okay, it's reasonable. I assume that's like a mixed down with no sound kind of thing. Canon mm-hmm. doesn't usually do the whole, you know. 120 with sound and then uh the iso range for this is 100 to 102 400 so pretty decent iso range and then you can put that into high iso extension all the way up to 204 800 that's pretty good yeah it is and then uh we're looking at oh geez some of the codex range so this is a single a single sd card so that's another thing that you're you're losing to save money coming down from the r6 yeah. mark ii yeah uh, so single sd card if you put a v60 in it uh, you can record up to 340 megabits per second in that 4K 60 mode. But in general, your you know 4K 24 modes are going to be around 170 megabits per second. So that's pretty decent as far as like how much data do you have? Is, is it a good codec? That sort yeah. of thing. And then they are shipping it with a C-Log3. Looking at those video specs, for one thing, I mean, it, it straight up seems like a good camera for video. If you were making films and you're in that upper middle you know price range, <laughs> I mean, it honestly isn't that bad. It seems like you can do all the basic stuff you'd need to. I mean, 4K 60, mm-hmm. that's that's honestly, that's all you need most of the time. If the codec is 340 megabits. That's plenty. I mean, I don't have yep. really have any concerns with that. Yeah, you'll be able to push that around, mm-hmm. around a decent amount. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that all seems good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that it supports C-Log 3 because let's say you have another Canon camera. This would be a great B-cam. I mean, it's, it's cool it does C-Log 3. It's a shame it doesn't ship with C-Log 1 or C-Log 2. Oh, does it not? I don't know how much of the Canon log stuff you've been following. Not really. But basically, it's like you're shooting in log so that you have that bigger, you know, color space and mm-hmm. like whatever. So then you compress it down. And whenever you shoot in C-Log 3, 
usually there's like like the sensor can read say 14 or 15 stops total and then you're trying to map that into a color space and uh a lot of times whenever you're shooting log like some of those stops will kind of get stuck in the shadows right and then you can do noise reduction and like boost the shadows and recover stops so like if you shoot in c log two usually there's a few stops that you can recover from the end but for c log three they just chop it off Huh. And that's been a known, not, it's not like an issue, but like a known thing, a yeah, known it's quantity. Like a, a, char- a character yeah. of that. For R6 Mark, the R6 Mark II and, and uh, other, okay. other Canon cameras where if you shoot in C-Log3, it's less flat and it's closer to what you want your final footage to look like. But you're, you basically can't recover the two stops in the shadow. Mm, so like, shame. don't, don't underexpose it because it's going to, it's going to chop the legs off. Yeah. So like, as far as the log profiles available from Canon, C-Log3 is the worst one. And like, it's cool that it has it. And it's nice to have that 10 bit log mode, like shooting log, get all that extra light and color data, you yeah. know, get that wider color space mm-hmm. and then conform it down to your Rec 709s. You're just going to get a better, better grade yeah. out of it. But I would have preferred a different log profile here, but I guess. I get it. You know, C log three makes sense for this camera. I think that they reserve C log two for their cinema stuff. Yeah. Like the C70 and, you know, the C300 and that sort of thing. I don't even know if you can get C log two in some of the other DSLRs. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't know that. I guess the R5C has C log two. No, it surely does. Yeah. Anyways, I got, got that C. So I'm, I'm like cool that it's in there. I'm counting it as a downside. Yeah. Okay. Uh, give me, fair. give me a better log profile. Yeah. Please and thank you. Man, very picky over there. I'm just saying. <laughs> in terms of the movie stuff too so you got you got your flippy screen I mean, almost, almost every camera now has that mm-hmm. doesn't have ibis i don't know how i feel about that so on one hand we know that ibis can be a nice feature but on the other hand canon seems to have this continual issue with like a wobbling or warping type effect and when yep. you're shooting like if you're shooting with a wide angle lens trying to do like a vlog style thing Seems like an ongoing problem. And I've seen some people saying that they're actually glad this camera doesn't have IBIS because you don't have to deal with that. Yeah, it's like a tuning thing almost where Canon's IBIS is really good from like 50 millimeters on Mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. But if you're using it for anything wider than, say, 30 millimeter, yeah, the corners get this really freaky wobble to them. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just not tuned for that, it mm-hmm. seems. And yeah. And so, I mean, if you're doing vlogging, I, I wouldn't give it a second thought. I'd, I'd be fine with this not having IBIS because yeah. it means it's not going to have that issue. Just straight up turn it off. And this has a electronic stabilization, which like even from the EOS R, that's pretty good. And yeah. then this is, this is better. Yeah. So, you know, the electronic stabilization is decent. And if your lens has IS, which a lot of the Canon lenses do, and I think you're, you're, you're good to go. I mean, all around the video specs in this thing are better than the EOS R. And people need to remember that plenty of YouTubers were using the EOS R as their main vlog camera, main video camera. And it was just fine. There were no problems with that. Yeah. I mean, that was like three years ago. And yeah. They all switched to Sony after that. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the video specs on this are incredible. Like yeah. If you're if you only care about like, can it shoot uncropped in full frame? Can it get these higher frame rates? Can I shoot in 10 bit? This is the best you're going to get for this budget. Yeah. Cause I mean, $1,500, that's an incredible price. There's not that many full frame cameras that even compete at that price. I would still buy a S5 Mark II over this. I would spend the extra 500 bucks if I was shooting video to get the cooler video features. Sure. But that's me. And if your budget is, I mean, 500 bucks, that's, that's a, a, that's a lens. 25% less, right? Yeah. So this is, I mean, wow. 
for yeah. the, like j- the price point of this for what you get is phenomenal. I mean, this is better than the A7C and the A7C is a $1,700 camera. Right. And then the A7C Mark II is supposed to come out soon, but it's supposed to have the same specs as the A7 IV. Mm-hmm. And this is, this blows the A7 IV out of the water as far as the specs too. It, it looks really good. And I'm surprised that they came out with this camera at this price point. Yeah. I just, it's, it's a little, a little shocking to me because Canon is so, has such a reputation for, uh, purposely like nerfing certain features mm-hmm. in their cameras just to like hit a price point or to like push you into another camera. And the fact that they, they basically ripped all of the video features out of the R6 Mark II and are giving it to you for $1,500. I mean, if, holy cow. If I was, if I was a Canon person and I wanted to buy a Canon, I mean, I think I would be considering this over the R6 Mark II. There's so many good cameras that have come out in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love, love, love my Fuji. But boy, if I had waited a year, it would have been really hard Hmm. to pay $2,500 for an APS-C camera whenever this R8 and the S5 Mark II were standing in the way. Yep. Holy cow. I agree. Now, one thing that I think is interesting to think about is we mentioned the R7 earlier, and I find that interesting because the R7 is the exact same price as this camera, Mm -hmm. but it's APS-C, but it has a higher resolution it's it's a it's a very interesting trade-off so i think that some people are maybe going to be cross shopping the two and you kind of have to decide what you're looking for right it kind of it kind of feels like the r7 is like the highest end aps-c camera they have right and then the r8 i mean the rp is still in the lineup but the r8 is like one of the lower end full frame options and so it's like do you go for the low-end full-frame or the high-end APS-C? Exactly. And the high-end APS-C is going to get you better shutter rates on photo for mechanical shutter. It doesn't have better video modes, but comparable video modes. It has has some more features, right? It's got like a bigger battery. It has in-body stabilization, more buttons, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find where the R8's external recording modes were listed. Yeah, I don't think it I d- saw that either. It doesn't look like it does like you know, external raw or pro res or anything like that, at least from what I can tell. Usually when those features are there, they shout them from the rooftop. So yeah. I think we would have seen it. So I would expect that it's just basically the same. But I mean, it's just an interesting comparison. I mean, we need to probably do a side by side with the R7. But well, because the interesting thing for Canon is like no- normally if you're considering APS-C versus full frame, a big part of that is lens price and lens size. It's mm-hmm. like if you're looking at Fuji versus Canon or Sony. Sure. You know, one of the first things you're going to say is, well, like these APS-C Fuji lenses are a lot smaller and a lot cheaper than those mm-hmm. you know, full frame lenses. With Canon, that's not really the case. I mean, we just got done talking about the R50 and how you don't really have a lot of good APS-C lens options. And you kind of end up in an interesting spot here where, you know, you might be looking at this APS-C R7 and this full frame R, we're talking about the R8, but you're not saving money or size on most of the lenses that you'd be looking at. Well, I think that the the R8 may actually be physically smaller because it's the RP body. Versus yeah. the R7. So yeah. the R7 may actually be a bigger camera. Yeah, yeah. And you're not saving any space in the lenses. So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. So I'm gonna I wanna run through my my bad list for the R8. And a lot of these things are not RR are not problems on the R7. So you have the this may be, but like mic jack location is like right in front of the screen. So that's kind of an issue. Mm-hmm. There's no shutter cover because it doesn't have it's the electronic first shutter, doesn't have the full, full mechanical shutter. 
And so, you know, whenever you take off the lens, you can just see the sensor. It doesn't close it like the R7 or most of the other Canon cameras. That, uh, is, that is a disappointment. I, mm-hmm. I think that is such a great feature of the Canons. And well, they just I, can't do it because it's not there. They, yeah, they I mean, I, I know they're trying to save money. I know that's why they, you know, money or size or something, but it's just disappointing. Yeah, uh, I believe that this has one less wheel on it, maybe, or like less buttons. Mm-hmm. And then it doesn't have a joystick. So in, to compensate for the lack of joystick, what they've implemented this feature where if you're like, autofocusing has two faces in there or two things that it can autofocus on you can tap the touch screen while your eyes to the yeah, sensor, yeah, to the eyepiece and then the person. it'll switch between the subjects yeah. so and like, you can also use the touch screen as a touch pad to move the point around sure so that's fine but no joystick one sd card slot no in-body stabilization yeah and you get less megapixels if you yeah. need 30 megapixels Got to go with the R7. Yeah, yeah, that is the one disappointing thing. I mean, the EOS R had that 30 megapixel sensor, and, and it seems like they've kind of gotten away from that. Mm-hmm. So, like, whenever you're looking at those things and, like, that list, it's like, do I trade an extra stop of light to get those things with an R7? Yeah. Or do I stay with the R8? It feels like a, it feels like a pretty calculated, what do we leave in, what do we leave out to mm-hmm. you know, make this cheaper, yeah. but still make it really compelling. I mean, honestly, you know, not having done a super thorough review of these two cameras, to me, it's like obviously R8. The full frame thing is compelling. There are advantages to full frame as much as you would like to deny them. And it's just, it's hard to beat this price point and getting a full frame a camera that yep. actually has good video specs. I mean... Full frame is it's just lower noise and better light production, right? I mean, our my I have a top of the line APS-C camera and it stops at fifty one two hundred ISO, mm-hmm. and I mean this camera goes to double that, a whole extra stop, and then you can extend it even farther. Yeah. So it's two stops brighter in addition mm-hmm. to being on one more stop light yeah. gathering capability because it's bigger. So you just get three more stops of sensitivity yep. right off the bat. And that's because of full frame. Yeah. And and I guess what I keep coming back to is that ultimately Canon focuses on their full frame lineup. Right. And if I'm buying a camera, I know that sooner or later, I'm going to want to be able to buy a high end lens for that camera. So with Canon, that means I'm going to want to be able to buy an L series lens at some point. And if I'm going to do that, it's going to end up being a full frame lens because that's what they offer. If you want a good RF lens, it's a full frame lens. And so if I'm going to be taking on that size and bulk anyway, I might as well have a full frame sensor to take advantage of it. Yeah, for sure. And it's probably worth talking about the lens lineup too. But uh, whenever I was digging into this and looking at the R8 and even like the R6 that came before it, it's surprising what they're able to do without a stacked sensor. Some of this readout speed stuff, it's really just coming down to processor speed, just brute force processor, that they can read out a full frame sensor that fast to pull like uncropped 4K 60. Mm-hmm. So is it a bad- usually like you, you crop in order to reduce the vertical lines right. so that you can hit the rate. Yeah, yeah it reduces the processor load basically. Mm-hmm. So is it a backside illuminated sensor? Yeah, so that's what I was going to get to is like, I didn't really realize this, but like Canon's first backside illuminated sensor was the R3. They just, oh, wow. even like a backside BSI has been around since, geez, like 2017 is one of the first BSIs. Oh, that's ancient five years ago. Oh, geez. That's when like the first BSI stuff started really hitting it. And the advantage of backside illuminated is you have all that, all those electronics on the backside of the sensor instead of the front side of the sensor. And so you get, you just get more light on the sensor because you don't have computational pieces in the way. And the way, because of the way that dual pixel sensors are configured, it's very hard to do that. I see. Which is why the R3, their top-of-the-line camera until they come out with the R1, is the only Canon camera that has BSI yeah. on it. And I okay. thought that was interesting. That is interesting. 
when and then you compound that with the whole dual pixel thing is that every pixel is two pixels there's a photo site for capturing light and then there's a, a photo site for using doing essentially phase detection yeah for and autofocus. so like because of the dual pixel for autofocus the sensor the every pixel is smaller than you would on like an equivalent 24 megapixel mm-hmm. sony camera and i feel like this never really comes up as far as actual measured performance of canon cameras but like not bsi and dual pixels seems like it would at the same same iso same resolution as like a sony sensor it would just collect less light but you don't really hear about people saying that you don't you don't because you would think it could be either. It could either be that it collect, it's just darker, or or that the ISOs are like noisier. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've I've never. It would be noisier, right? Is is what it would be. And I, I don't know. I've never really seen a side by side comparison where mm-hmm. they're like, look at this R six Mark II and look at this A seven IV at ISO four hundred. The R6 is just a little noisier. Yeah. Yeah. You don't really see that comparison. And I don't know whether whether it's because it's not a problem or because nobody is deciding between those cameras based on that. It's probably a fine enough thing. And like the processing can kind of, you know, work out most of that noise. And yeah, it's maybe it doesn't really matter that much. But as far as like full frame cameras and like you're going full frame because you want all that light gathering capability in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, if they're not doing all the cool technology things (laughs) to make it. Like as good as it could be. Yeah. I don't know. So this one's not BSI. Interesting. But, you know, maybe maybe one day we'll have BSI Canon sensors. Yeah. Through yeah. the lineup. People still talk so highly about that Canon autofocus. I mean, that may be a, may be a worthwhile trade-off. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a whole different thing, right? Everyone else is just has phase detect points and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and I mean dual pixels pretty cool. Yeah. All right. The, I was looking at looking at it and the R8 has you know, it has a mode dial. It's a PSAM, bro, but it's not so you have two custom modes. You have AG. Which, can you guess what that is? I'm guessing it's not for taking pictures of your crops. No. that's It's aperture, ah, obviously. Okay. Uh, they have TV. Which I thought that was aperture. That's shutter, I guess. It's got, it's got to be shutter, right? Yeah. Okay. They have P. Program. Sure. M. Manual. manual. Yeah. And then FV. I don't know what that is. I have no idea. <laughs> I clearly don't shoot Canon. I'm like, well, you yeah. got shutter priority. You got aperture priority. What's FV? <laughs> did you ISO have, priority? Did you happen to look this up? No, I didn't look it up. I was just yeah. I was just going to quiz you. I, I don't you know. You failed. I failed. I feel like I heard something about this. I don't remember what it was, but for some reason I did. I do think I heard about Canon adding some different mode that I don't know what it did. I'm not going to try and guess. Flexible priority mode provides greater freedom for quickly altering the camera settings, but without the need to change the shooting mode. It allows you to choose which of the three exposure values you want to control while the camera takes care of the rest. I'm not not seeing the value in it from that description, but... I mean, it sounds like they're just trying to make it like a Fuji camera. (laughs) <laughs> it looks like you can you can custom it. You know how like on a on like a dial Fuji you can set like your ISO and ISO to auto, but you can fix your shutter speed and your and your uh, aperture. Sure. And so you're like not really shooting in manual because you're kind of like one thing is an auto, but two things are in manual. That's what this is for. On the back of the screen, you can like set. I see. Pick which one you want in auto, and then like, set I the see. other two to manual. Okay. So it's not uh, it's not truly like shutter priority or program or that sort of thing. Yeah. I uh, okay. Well, I learned something today. Yeah. That's kind of neat. Does Sony have an FV mode? Probably doesn't matter. I do like that they've they they've done the thing on their dials recently where the switching between movie and photo is on the power thing, the power dial. I think that's a, a good way to do it. But it's not anymore. 
Is it not? Not for the so for the R6 Mark II and for this one and for the R50, they moved the video photo dial to the left, and so your left on your left hand has to pop over here and do it, okay. and then they have the power dial on the right. Versus something like the R5C, which has it in the middle where okay. it's like photo off video. I must have looked at the wrong thing. Yeah. So regardless, wherever it's at, I like having a separate switch for video video versus photo rather mm-hmm. than having it on the dial. I go back and forth on it. I like the idea of it being a switch, but I also like I'd also want it just like a mode. I, I would I would prefer to be able to have just here's my video mode, here's my photo mode, or like I mult like I could set C one and C two to yeah. you know, these are my video whatever settings and then C three is a photo setting or something. Sure. Yeah, I guess if you're thinking about using custom presets, that makes yeah. sense. But I guess if you're trying to just go into yeah, you know, video mode. It's yeah. nice to be able to just swap between the two. Mm-hmm. Man, like, all right, seems like a like a pretty good camera. Yeah, pretty good package. Fifteen hundred dollars. I was curious what uh, like you know, coming to the market. What are what are you shopping this against? And I think later this year, a seven C Mark II. Mm-hmm. Pretty obviously, that's going to hit similar price point. It's going to be worse on the video specs. It's going to be higher megapixel, mm-hmm. and it'll be backside illuminated. Yep. So probably better for photo, and probably smaller, and probably much better battery life. Battery on this. R R eight is yeah because that because ba- that battery's tiny so yeah I mean, that's the most obvious competitor I think and and I do think it'd be a hard decision based on those factors I, I feel like this is going to be a better value than the A seven C Mark II but probably not the better camera sure well, uh, man I don't know like if you're looking for video specs I would think the R eight but if you're looking for a whole package price. You're going to find cheaper lenses and more lenses in E-mount, yeah. which is going to make that a lot more appealing. You can yep. buy your Sigma 2.8 24 to 70 for 1100 bucks or something mm-hmm. uh, and then save, geez, $1,300, $1,500 on the lens yeah. and just get a better lens. So mm-hmm. I don't know. For that reason, maybe the A7C II is going to be better. Yeah, but maybe so. It's not out yet. Still, mm-hmm. they, like right now, you know, if you want a Sony camera, it's the A7 IV is going to be your best full frame option. Yeah. Until, you know, until they release their new low-end stuff this year. Mm-hmm. I think if you're interested in photo, the Fuji X-T5 is a reasonable competition, even though it's APS-C. And I think yep. if you're interested in video, the Lumix S5 Mark II is the, mm-hmm. the obvious competition. Still $500 more, Yeah, but the amount of like video feature software features that you get like shutter angle and vector scopes and all that stuff, like, wow. I mean, yeah. you're like... The upgrade as far as, you know, being able to shoot raw and all this stuff to the S5, it easily makes that $500. Yeah, I mean, if I'm looking for a top-end camera for filmmaking, I'm going S5 Mark II, not R8. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm not, like, if I was cross-shopping the R8 against video cameras, FX30 and S5 Mark II mm-hmm. would probably win out over it for me. I agree. But if I'm looking for like a true hybrid camera that takes really good photos, then and I'm like maybe more photo first, R8's probably yeah. the winner. Yeah, I mean, the, the lens lineup is still giving me a little bit of pause. Like that's that's mm-hmm. my main stumbling block. I think. Yeah, I would think so. I don't even think the A7 IV is in the conversation against this at this point. Yeah, it's $1,000 more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not justifiable. What, 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 else, what else might be in the the lineup dan are you forgetting about any cameras <laughs> apparently i am but you're gonna have to tell me what they are let me let me know if the uh the, the nikon z5 rings a bell <laughs> it, it doesn't ring a bell uh, I, I didn't know that camera do you, existed do you, want, <laughs> do you want to take a guess when it came out <laughs> 20 2016 <laughs> 2019 okay okay so what's the deal with that one all right the z5 mark one is there a mark two lucas no 
Okay. No, there's not. There maybe there will be. Maybe there'll be a Z5 Mark II this year, and yeah, it's going to whoop some butt on that R8. I don't know. Has Ibis? Has a full shutter? You know, don't worry about the yeah. electronic front front and curtain crap. Has a higher resolution viewfinder and rear screen. Okay, not rear screen, but viewfinder by okay. like a million dots. It's got a joystick. It's got two SD card slots, and uh, it's got a bigger battery. It can take like twice as many uh, mm. photos. And what's the price? Fourteen hundred dollars. And that's new. Yeah. So, you know, those have been out since 2019. You can probably find a used one. Mm-hmm. That's pretty compelling. And uh, you can probably find some cheaper uh, cheaper Nikon glass options. Oh, I, I think they have an F4 24, 24 yeah. to 105 that's reasonably priced. I mean, realistically, if you're looking at doing uh, hybrid stuff, I don't know what the video specs in this are, but if you're looking to do it hybrid stuff, you've got to consider that. I mean, I bet you can find a used one of those for 1200 bucks. I bet you could. The 24 to 70, no, that's the 2.8. That one, 2.8, is only $1,600. Well, that's not bad. 24 to 105 F4. That's, no, F5. I searched the wrong thing. Sorry, I wanted to, like, cross-check that price. Wow, Sigma. Yeah, that's a uh, 650. Anyways, you can, like, you can get your less than $1,000 F4 zoom for your Z mount yeah. for less than $1,000. So it's just it's just going to be brighter. Mm-hmm. So you have, I think that as a photo camera, the Z5 is is maybe a better buy. You're going to save money on the lens and you're going to save money on the camera. B&H has one of these in nine plus condition for 1,063. Yeah. I mean, you can get, you'll have your camera and your lens out the door for less than $2,000 and it will be faster than the R8. That's pretty cool. Where you're going. Vi- video specs are lacking a little bit. Well, yeah. Like if you're want to shoot video the r the z5 does not compete yeah at all yeah you're getting like 4k 30 and i think it's cropped also in Mm -hmm. 4k 30 it just like not at all so it's just a slower camera and you're also going to lose it on speed the autofocus on the r8 is going to be significantly Mm -hmm. better and in electronic shutter mode it can shoot 40 frames per second that's that's pretty good that's that's xh2 level speed yeah that's pretty good yep not gonna, you're not gonna see that on the, uh, on the Z5. Yeah. So, but that's, I think that's a pretty interesting comparison. Yeah, that's, that's true. You could, you could budget save option. a decent penny, and yeah, budget option would be once again Nikon mm-hmm. somehow with their 17 year old camera. It's <laughs> still maybe relevant. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there, there's also the Canon RP, which is still in their lineup. That feels like they're just selling that to lose inventory. <laughs> just trying to get <laughs> yeah. rid of them. Yeah, I think if. If you're looking at buying a full frame camera, if you can stretch to get this over the RP, I think you're going to be happier. Yeah. And like, it seems like you're going to be, you're going to be cross shopping this against full frame. If you're looking at your APS-C or micro four third options, man, the OMD EM1 Mark something Olympus is going to be, geez, that's like $2,000. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I think X-T5, X-H2. X-T5, X-H2, those are 1800 so still a little more. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, those will have equivalent burst rates, faster mechanical burst rates. Uh, they'll have better video specs. Yeah, the X-H2 definitely does. Yeah, X-T5 better video specs. Higher, higher resolution, you're getting 40 megapixels. That's pretty good mm-hmm. if you need the resolution. Plus, you get classic Chrome. I mean, it's worth 200 bucks right there. <laughs> so, Well, and, and, and cheaper and smaller lenses. Yeah, cheaper and smaller lenses. I mean, le- it comes down to the lenses, honestly. Like, I would strongly, strongly consider an R8 over any of these other cameras, Z5, X-T5, whatever. But whenever you start considering the lenses, the primes are cool, like the 50 and the 85. Those seem pretty well competitive. But like, once you start looking into any of these zooms, like the 15 to 35 would be a fantastic lens to get for this. Two thousand dollars for that yeah. lens. Yeah, that lens is notably more expensive than the camera itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if you're if you're getting into RF, 
I mean, there's certain lenses that you just really, really want. And you could easily spend five to $10,000 on lenses. <laughs> and then at painful. that point, like the cost of the camera just doesn't even matter yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's like go with a, go with a higher end camera because it's a rounding error. Right. Exactly. So, and I think that's, that's kind of the problem. So yeah. cool that they released these new cheaper lenses desperately needed. Yeah. I think they're too slow. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said it before, I think that they should have cost $200 more yeah. and been one stop brighter. Yeah. We'll see how this works out for them. I mean, honestly, they really need to su- let third-party manufacturers make RF lenses. That would solve mm-hmm. all this problem. Yeah, it really would. It would be nice if you could get some of like the Sigma or the Tamron options. Yeah. I mean, this this with that 35 to 150 F2 to F2.8 Tamron. That'd be really slick. Yeah. I mean, that, that lens isn't isn't cheap, but it's, you know, $1,300, $1,500. That plus the R8 would be $3,000 out the door. And that's that's a nice kit that could get you 90% there. You could get a, a 24 millimeter prime and call it a day. Yep. So I think they've got some work to do on the lenses. But I mean, overall, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm seeing here. I think that both of these new cameras, the R50 and the R8, seem like Canon's starting to get it. And they're not releasing stuff that's nerfed as much, mm-hmm. which is which is really encouraging to see. And they both seem like a good value for what you get. Yep. I mean, the lenses are the main stumbling block. Yeah, they, man, they really put Sony on notice here. Yeah. And Nikon needs to get their act together. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh! Yeah, it might it might make those lower price points an interesting battleground for the mm-hmm. rest of the year. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's I feel like that's where most people are shopping for cameras is in the fifteen hundred to two twenty five hundred dollar range. Yeah, that's probably not true. Most people are going to buy the R fifty, and that camera is going to sell like hotcakes. Mm-hmm. But people who are doing more stuff, but maybe not like it's a it's their main hobby, but they're not pros. They're not buying an R five. Because if you're making money doing this, you're buying, you know, the 85 1.2 for $2,900, yeah, not yeah, blinking. You're buying an R5, R3, something like that. Sure. Yeah. But like if you're, you know, not making a bunch of money off of it and it's just you really like photography or videography or whatever, I would I would think that 1500 to 2500 is your range. Yeah. Which, man, I mean, this is right at the low end and really impressive. Just really impressive offering. Yeah. Cool stuff. Would if you, uh, if you were upgrading now instead of uh, eight months ago? What would you have done, Daniel? I wouldn't buy either of these cameras just because of the lenses. Like that's that's really the only thing that would hold me back. I think they look really good. But I, I liked the Canon I had. That was nice. But I like how small my Fuji lenses are. I like that I can buy the good Fuji lenses for reasonable prices. Mm-hmm. And it's just hard to get over that. Yeah, I mean, it's really is. Uh, I mean, what what else to talk about here? Like, there is record limits on it. You know, the 4K60 has a one hour record limit yeah. and it seems like that's solely because of the battery. Yeah. Yeah. Battery or heat reasons or something. Man, I feel like you're going to be swapping batteries like crazy on this thing. <laughs> yeah. It does support USB-C charging though. Yeah. So yeah. bring get, your power get ready bank. for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sponsored by Anchor. Not sponsored by Although Anchor. Although if Anchor wants to sponsor us, please just, just get in touch. Yep, just uh, give us a call. Yep. So yeah, this seems like a good release. Excited to see some more reviews on it. I've already already listened to a couple, you know, and it seems like people are liking it. So we'll just see what happens. We'll see if Canon releases any more affordable lenses, and then we'll look forward to seeing what Sony does next. And when do these when do these come out? I think one of them said like March 16th. I think that was the R8. Yeah, spring 2023 is what I'm seeing initially which, you know, March time frame. Yeah, Canon seems to do that where they they announce cameras early. You know, a lot of other manufacturers, it's like they announce it and you can buy it right then. But these seem like they're about a month away. Yeah, and most of the information that we're getting are from reviewers who who had two days with it Mm -hmm. with Canon. So like pretty controlled environment. No one has these in hands yet. 
So like there hasn't been really any thorough testing. We don't know how good the C log three is going to be. Yeah. We don't know how good the sensor. Like we know how good the sensor is because it's an R six Mark II sensor, but we won't really know more. So obviously we're going to talk about this camera more when it releases because this is going to be the main selling full frame camera in, in Canon's lineup. It seems. Yeah, I think that's probably true. So, cool, cool. Well, I think that was a good discussion, and we'll just see uh, see what happens when they drop. All right. That's it for the show today. Thanks for listening. And we'd encourage you to rate the show on iTunes and tell a friend, but only if you enjoyed it. You can find out more about us on our website at cameragearpodcast.com. We'll be back with more next week.